This is Joel Watson from HiJinksAndSue.com. You're listening to Alpha Geek Radio. Godspeed, you fancy bastards. We present to you, Mr. Adam Savage. Hello, nerds. Man, I love coming back here. It's like coming home. Except dressed as Akbar, which is really like going home, honestly. Back to the squid I started as. Did anyone see me as Akbar today? Yeah, so what you might not be aware of, and this amazingly, Akbar gets geekier when I describe this, um, is that I wanted to be Admiral Akbar, but like that um, beautiful poster online of Admiral Akbar wearing an admiral's uniform, so I commissioned um, a wonderful seamstress named Joe Palmer on Etsy to make me Admiral Nelson, Lord Nelson, the greatest British naval commander, his uh, uniform, the one he was killed with at Trafalgar. So I'm joining two geeky pastimes in one. Now, yes, thank you. Now, in the past on this stage, I have talked a lot about talking to my kids about sex. And... Uh, I think we've gone over some fairly significant material in that time. But right now I'm, I'm, I'm touched with a small problem in that one of them, Thing 2, is actually waving to me from backstage. It, it is, he's 14 now, it's his first Comic-Con, and I'm, yeah. I'm staying away from so many jokes. You know, at the same time, it's like, how do you get, you're like at 14, you can see in your kid the adult that they'll be, and it's really, really exciting. You also see the 14-year-old you were. Although in my case, it's sort of like the 14-year-old I wished I was. Like, he is so much cooler than I was at this age, to a degree where there are certain things that we talk about, and he's like, I, I got it. Like, I got it, Dad. Um, yeah. You know, from the very first sexual, like, discussion we had to have, where he called some girl a whore in nursery school. <laughs> and, in fact, that isn't even what got him in trouble. What got him in trouble was that about six weeks later, her mom was picking her up, and he was like, six weeks ago, I called your daughter a whore. <laughs> like, he's fronting to the mom. Like, what are you going to do about it? So they came to me and they said, uh, you know, thing two called her, or told his mom, that, her mom that she called, he called her a whore. And I, you know, with a parent, as a parent, you, you, you have all these levels that you can deal with. Something. You can deal with it immediately. You can get really mad. You can get really quiet. I'm giving away all my techniques and he's standing right there. Um, and one of the most effective ones is to do what they don't expect. So I was like, we'll talk about this later. And so we went through all of dinner, and he is going to bed, and I climb up into the bunk bed, and I say, I'd spring it on him, what were you thinking about telling that little girl's mom that you called her a whore? And he goes, I'm not exaggerating his motion at all. I know. That's what I keep asking myself. And I said, do you even know what a whore is? And he's like, no. And I feel really guilty. Now he's playing for, you know, sympathy. 
I feel guilty that I called her a name and I don't know what it is. And I said, well, okay, let me tell you, a whore is someone who exchanges sex for money. He goes, I thought that was a hoe. <laughs> and then the other hardest part about parenting is keeping a straight face. Like, he's in the Marc Jacobs store and they have a bowl of free condoms. And he goes, hey, these are free. And I'm like, no. And he can tell that there's something magical about my no. And he goes, what's a condom, condom, condom in the store? So later on, I'm telling them what the condom is. And I realize it's time for the sex talk. So they're like seven, I think, six. And I'm like explaining the mechanics. And I have become an aficionado of the sex talk, specifically the look of terror and desperation on my children's faces as I describe things in a medical detail. Like the, oh, God, please. Like they're strapped to a table and like they can't wait for this torture to end. That is my wheelhouse. I'm having so much fun at that point because I know they're never going to forget the shit that I'm telling them at that point. Like I'm running a deep level subroutine that will run the whole time. <laughs> so I use it to say some important stuff like, so you were wondering what a condom is. Well, when a man puts his thing in a lady... Uh, and injects her with genetic material <laughs> called sperm uh, and makes a baby with it. And I went through that whole explanation. I was like, a condom is a way to prevent that. See, there's this whole school of things that can prevent babies. They're called birth control. And there are people who don't believe in it. We call them idiots. <laughs> Might as well turn them into my kind of liberal early. And it's shocking that that's a liberal standpoint, isn't it? Uh, and <laughs> I described to them that a condom is like a balloon you put over your wiener, and it holds the sperm in. And they're like, again, they're like, the, the terror disappears as something they're confronted with. This doesn't make any sense. They're like, a balloon? <laughs> like, a, like a party balloon? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not like a, like a balloon. It's like in the shape of your penis. And his brother goes, oh, so it's this big. <laughs> and, then, and then you've got the, so, you know, cut to a few years later, um, you know, they get iPhones. And, you know, they get iPads for Christmas. I'm ashamed. I know that kids have iPads. It's disgusting. But, you know, it happens. And these are effectively porn delivery devices. So what do you do? How do you tell your kid that this is going to fry their brain? Because when I was a kid, I would have been like, can you believe it? I don't have to find my porn on the side of the highway and hide it in my sock for a day until I get home. It just comes on this magical box. Wow, that's like a punchline and a... So you try to contextualize it, and then you realize that you have to somehow repeatedly explain to them the truth is that the internet hates women, because that's the truth, and it's awful. And then you've got to run that subroutine in their head. I know that's like a joke killer, but it's, like, it's important for us nerds to keep remembering that, because you know a lot of the female nerds get a lot of terrible shit out there, and you don't want, I don't want my kids to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I have friends who get death threats on a daily basis. I've hired security for friends of mine to perform in certain towns. 
uh, it's that bad, you know, and it's, it's something that we should be talking to our kids about. It's something that we should exercise talking to all children about because it's nasty. It's, it's, it's a terrible situation because it is frying people's brains. I mean, okay, now I'm ranting. But <laughs> the first time we caught, see, I promised I wouldn't tell the story about him, but almost the same thing happened to his brother. So I'll tell that story. And actually, his brother's response was funnier. So his, his brother gets caught. His mom sends me this like, download of links from Google. Search terms. I, you can see clearly. Search term, mm -hmm, okay, search term, mm -hmm, search term, you know, that leap that we know. And then at the bottom, I, so I see, you know, I see the search terms, and then I see this last thing, red tube. I don't know what that is at that point. Oh, some of you have experienced red tube. How nice. And uh, I pick him up, and I already know from experience that I can't play bad cop, that pressure isn't what works here. I'm like Aesop's fable. I'm the sun. I will be warm, and I'll explain that seeing naked women is one of the best parts about being a man, or maybe even a woman, if that's your thing. And, you know, it's totally reasonable to be, to be curious about that. And there's no, no harm in it, and there's actually nobody's in trouble. So is there anything you want to tell me? And his brother pauses and says... I search for big boobs. <laughs> you can't ever repeat this back to him. I'm saying it to the internet and I'm lecturing my kid. Uh, so then I said, what about red tube? And I got to watch my kid lie right to my face. And I got to see all the, it's like, it's rare that you get this, but if you do, it's, it's wonderful. It's like Wild Kingdom because you get to see the artifice they've built because they've been lying to you all along. So I go, what about red tube? And he goes, mm, red tube. No, it doesn't ring a bell. Like all of a sudden, this 10-year-old becomes like a 35-year-old lawyer. Like, mm, I have no memory of that. And so I go through the whole explanation about porn and the internet and shitty people and misogyny, etc. I last, I rant for about half an hour. And at the end, I go, look, I'm fully aware that there's probably like a million things going through your brain. You'll want to share any of them with me. But let's make a deal. Why don't you share one of them with me? And he goes, I searched on RedTube. Now, somewhere behind a double mirrored glass, me and Detective Stabler are like high-fiving because of how well this interrogation is going. And so I say, what did you see there? Did you see people having sex? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, were they having oral sex? And he's like, what's that? when people put their mouths on each other's genitals, and he's like, no! I'm like, well, now you know about that. <laughs> Sorry to be the bearer of what will eventually be good news. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'd like to talk briefly about the TSA. Yeah, no, I, and I, at a Woodstock in Seattle, I, I pointed out that I had somehow been able to fly through three different cities with uh, a pair of 12-inch razor blades in my backpack um, that weren't discovered by the TSA at all, even though they, you know, porno scanned me. Um, uh, and recently, this has been happening because it turns out that our core audience is a lot of the TSA are Mythbusters core audience. Um, so I'm confronted with both the 
official hardline authoritative tone of the TSA and fandom at the same time, which is really, really weird and upsetting. Because, so for instance, like, uh, about a week ago, I'm, I'm at the airport and my bag has to be scanned again and they've got it and they're looking at it and the guy turns around and says, I don't know, like that. And I said, I can't hear you. And so I move towards him and he goes, back off, man, and puts his hand out. So I go back behind the counter and I just stand there and I wait. And then he turns around and he goes, you can put your stuff back on. And I go, you've got all my stuff. And he says, well, you can come get it. And I'm like, I just tried and you like freaked out. And he said, I didn't know what your intentions were. So we're having this discussion and at that point, three other coworkers of his come up and ask for a picture and an autograph. It's the cognitive dissonance is really, and I don't want to be nice at that point, but of course, I also do want to be nice because, you know, when the New World Order happens, I want at least a few of those people on my side. Because <laughs> I'm definitely on a list. I mean, I really, I feel like Mythbusters phone lines must be at least 60% of the signal-to-noise ratio for PRISM. Because every phone call we make is like bomb, explosion, fire, thermite, uh, kinestic, fuse, terrorist. It is like every phone, they must be lighting them up. I think, you know, we could actually, well, we could plan something significant because they probably just turn the switch off for our phones. <laughs> and they just turn them back on. Oh, I totally wager. <laughs> um, I wanted to do something also that, uh, that I haven't done at Woodstock, but I wanted to give you guys a chance to ask a couple of questions um, because, uh, you know, I, I can't see anybody out there, but I can tell that there's probably a few Mythbusters fans out there. Oh, hey! This happened this morning. We were nominated for our fifth Emmy as Outstanding Reality Programming. Now, Here's the thing about the Emmys. There's like five or six Emmys for sound and one for reality programming. We're up against Antiques Roadshow, Deadliest Catch, Diners, Dives, and something. There you go. Um, dead, uh, I said Deadliest Catch. Uh, horrible Bosses. No, hor Undercover Boss. <laughs> Not the movie, the TV show. Undercover Boss. These are, as far as I'm concerned, five different genres of television show, not one genre. So it's every year where we have this difficult time of difficult, you know, how do you, how do you position yourself? But it is, it is, we are very excited after, you know, 10 years, five Emmy nominations. We'd love to win, but that doesn't really matter because it's, it's really nice that we're making a smart show, uh, a smart show on a television box where there's not a lot of smart shows left uh, in the reality department. So, uh, does anyone does anyone down there have any questions? Any? Yes. How do we get girls more interested in math and science? I think that the the one of the best things to do is to celebrate intelligence and celebrate intelligence in women. I think. 
we did it. We did a. We did some stuff on Tesla.com with Commander Chris Hadfield on the International Space Station, and yeah. And I think NASA is doing a fantastic job of celebrating strong, smart, intelligent women uh, in science, making major breakthroughs in science. And their latest, the latest astronauts, the astronaut uh, class they just accepted was half women, half men. That's beautiful. Um, you know, actually, it should be 51 percent, right? Um, it's funny culturally, uh, you know, how you celebrate, especially when you when you when you read the comments section online, which I I try not to do. I know it's cutting. <laughs> it's effectively like cutting yourself to read comments from your own things, um, and you read the things that people say about women. I mean. Perhaps one of the things that, that we can also do is make sure culturally that we don't accept the kind of shitty speech that we wouldn't accept from our own kids. Yeah, I, uh, the skeptics have asked me to, yeah, have asked me to write a piece about uh, misogyny and science and women and my thoughts on it. And I've been trying for like seven months. I have all these false starts. And one of the problems is I have, s there's so much ranting that I'm not even sure what my point is. And I really think about my kids as the audience. Um, but I'm, I'm working on it, Ringo. I'm trying. Because uh, I, you know, I really, I want to, I want to be one of those voices that that is out there, hopefully running positive subroutines. Because phew, it's dark out there. I mean, I know, you know, women friends of mine. I know how dark it can be. All right, let's get to something levity, please. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So. You have an excellent speaking voice, by the way. Everybody heard that. An experiment that I've always wanted to do, but is illegal. So we discovered something interesting, which is when you want to do something illegal, all you really need to do is call the cops ahead of time. <laughs> no, it's fascinating, because it turns out that there are lots of things that are illegal, but um, in the statute that says it's not legal to make a zip gun, it says that an officer can actually confiscate the zip gun and take it, home, and take it back to the station for research purposes. So we end up doing a lot of research with law enforcement and the FBI. Um, there is an experiment that's not illegal, but it's so dangerous that I don't want to go anywhere near it. Um, and it involves a truck full of liquid oxygen. Uh, this is why I love this crowd, because I can tell you all know what scary shit liquid oxygen is. <laughs> liquid oxygen, so what, what, what does it take for something to burn? It takes, you know, something that burns and some oxygen to help it, right? But liquid oxygen is rocket fuel. It will make things burn vigorously and it will make them blow up. Like, no lie, no exaggeration, not like a, you know, a frozen turkey in a vat of oil blows up, but like it really will turn an oily rag into a high explosive. We've discovered that. <laughs> discovered. <laughs> But the worst part about liquid oxygen, or LOX, as they call it, is that it doesn't do that predictably. So this myth involves a truck tanker full of liquid oxygen that spills on the highway, just like in Terminator 2. Hold on, I'm going to hitch up my pants. That's much better. And uh, it spills on the roadbed, and the liquid oxygen uh, on the asphalt, the petroleum product that is the as asphalt, turns the whole road into a bomb. Now. After having played 
played a little bit with liquid oxygen. I have no doubt that this is something that could be spectacular. But I also, when you think through this experiment, you think, well, it's us. So we got to do it full scale, like screw half scale. Like, we want to get someone to come out and lay a road for us in the middle of New Mexico, and we will take a tanker and dump it. Now, that's tens of thousands of dollars of liquid oxygen. And then, what if the wind is blowing? Also, well, here's the main problem with this is, we know that it could turn this whole road into a bomb. We've experimented enough with it to know that it's really dangerous. But what happens if the worst possible thing happens, which is nothing? Who wants to go over there? <laughs> I don't want to go over there. Not for a while. And what happens when a cloud of liquid oxygen, when a cloud of oxygen gassed off from liquid oxygen, starts moving through a light breeze. If it gets to a highway, does everyone who's driving through that cloud just accelerate to like 100 miles an hour as they're getting pure oxygen through their intake? Too many variables, too many unknowns. We're never going to do that one. There is one more that we did years ago that um, will never make it to air. It's not necessarily, well, I guess if you did what we did, it would definitely be illegal. It happened on Cary Grant and Tori's watch. They were experimenting with some, I'm just going to say, stuff. And the reaction, no, this, is, this, this is how bland I must be. The reaction they got was so vigorous, we, can, we will never reveal the details. Yeah, it was like that. It was like, take this thing, put it on a shelf, don't tell anyone about it ever, because it's too freaking scary. It's like... It's like the, the recipe for kryptonite or something like that. We just don't want that out there. Uh, one more question. How about over here? Anyone? What do we got? Oh, yes, go ahead. Yell it out. <laughs> I was thinking about singing a song as Smeagol. I was thinking about it, but there's this piano here, and I was thinking... I was thinking about Commander Thinks Aloud. What do you think of that? I, it's such a pretty piano. Um, are you guys around? <laughs> okay. I told, they were like, what's your last bit before, what, before you think you might sing? And I'm like, I have no idea. I'm just going to wing it. Um, so yeah, I thought I'd sing uh, Commander Thinks Aloud, uh, John Roderick's beautiful song, beautiful song about the, the, the space shuttle exploding. Would you guys humor me? Excellent. I'm going to be accompanied by Mr. Paul and Storm and Jason Finn and Molly Lewis. Next time I'll sing a Smeagol. <laughs> <laughs> Easy. Sorry. Your drums are writing checks that we can't cash. <laughs> All right, let me try and remember. I'm just going to warm up here for a second. Well, that's not so bad. I'm going to play a cup. I'm just I'm warming up here. <laughs> You it's been a while, but... Smoke him, if, smoke him if you got him, folks. All right.
takes for a minute to buffer.
Thank you. <laughs> Adam Savage. Hi there, this is Scott Johnson from The Morning Stream, and you're listening to Alpha Geek Radio.